Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, is there a link between nutrition and our mood? And more importantly, does the food we eat impact our mental health? Well, that's exactly what we're here to discuss today. And in particular, we are talking to any new mum or a mum-to-be as we endeavour to answer the million-dollar question, how can nutrition benefit postnatal depression? So today, to help share her expert evidence-based advice on this topic, we welcome our special guest, Lana Hirth. Now, Lana is an accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist who helps women enhance their, their, their nutrition and the power of good food to live life to the full. Welcome and thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm going well. Excellent. Well, you know, in doing this preparation uh, for this chat today, it sort of occurred to me that it's natural for women, of course, planning or expecting a baby, as you are too, which we'll speak about Mm -hmm. that in a moment, Yes, (laughs) to be conscious of, you know, what we eat and our body's additional nutritional needs, because as, of course, we're busy creating another human being. And isn't it amazing, Mm -hmm. of course, the things that a woman's body can do. Um, That's right. (laughs) All with the view, of course, of ensuring that we give giving the baby everything that they need to ensure that the baby has a healthy and the best start to life. So, and as we know, the nutritional demands on, on a woman's body during pregnancy, um, labor, and even afterwards are some of the, the highest that a woman will ever have to go through in her entire life. Mm. So whilst we're in this phase of life and our focus is understandably on the nutrition, um, it's become quite evident to me it's not Uh, all too common for pregnant women possibly not to consider and think about how our our diet can affect our mental health and the prospect of developing postnatal depression. So on this topic, I'd just love to know what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is such a new area of research that's coming out really in the last five years, not just in pregnancy, but just in nutrition and the link between food and mental health. We've always known there's been a little bit of a link, but we've never quite known, is it a chicken or an egg scenario? Is it because I'm my mood is really low that then I end up eating poorly or is eating poorly having an impact on my mood? And so we've always known there's been a link, but recently in the last five years, the research has just exploded in this area. We've had really good high quality studies, which we'll talk about later, that have really highlighted actually there is a big role that nutrition can play in this as well. So I think that's really exciting when we look at pregnancy and postpartum because we know this like you said there's such a big role um, and such a big demand on our bodies and it's probably the hardest time for us to actually eat well we're tired we're exhausted we're growing um, our families and just all the demands that come with that it can be a really challenging time and so it's good Mm -hmm. to know that there is something we can do from a food perspective to potentially help help the situation. Well, that's exactly right. What you were just saying, the whole pregnancy process for some can really take its toll. Of course, there's associated nausea, there's vomiting, there's just 
exhaustion, backaches, as well as just the hours of labour, depending what your delivery Mm. is actually like, which of course may or may not have gone the way you want or hoped or planned, just depending if you have a birth plan and all of that stuff. And and it's supposed to be, of course, you know, the happiest times in, in, in your life as you and your partner, you know, taking the baby home can be for some, you know, a time of great unease and anxiety, just with, I guess, a whole world of just new challenges and, and changes. Um, and of course, let's not forget just horrid sleep deprivation and what that does on That's your life, right. <laughs> in your body, um, night uh, nighttime feeding, nappy changes, all of those things. Um, it's demanding. These, it's really demanding. And of course, and everyone's heard about the three-day blues, which occurs about that mm. three to four day sort of period or afterwards. But sometimes those, those blues and those feelings don't um, settle in just a few days, they can actually last longer. So mm. I'd love for you just to establish at the get-go just briefly, you know, what is postnatal depression and what are some of the key signs that may be associated with postnatal depression according to Beyond Blue? Yeah, that's right. So I think it's really helpful to know that we do have these ho- really big hormonal shifts that happen, but it is important for us to actually be knowing what signs can we be looking out for. And even um, if you're pregnant at the moment or or if you're postpartum, be knowing and having a think through as I talk out this list to have a think, okay, do I need to be looking out for this? Or, okay, what is it like for me at the moment? Do I tick any of these boxes? And so according to Beyond Blue, postnatal depression really it It doesn't just have to be that first few weeks postpartum. It really can be up to a year um, that you're looking out for these things. And we know that the hormonal changes and the demands of postpartum life actually extend beyond that first six weeks when you've had a baby. It's actually far more demanding than that. And so the signs for someone who might have postnatal depression would be things like low mood, feeling inadequate, like a failure, guilty, ashamed or worthless, often feeling close to tears or teary, um, feeling angry, irritable or resentful, fearing uh, for the baby or fearing being left alone with the baby, with your baby, um, not having that same joy that you do for the things that usually normally give you joy. joy. I think that's a big one. I think for... For me, even in my pregnancy, noticing if I'm not enjoying being in the kitchen um, or cooking, that's normally something that gives me joy um, and that's just a bit of a check-in. So for you, it might be something else, but have a check-in of um, what normally gives you joy and are those things still able to give you those enjoyment? Yeah. it could be lack of sleep, appetite changes as well, feeling like you're withdrawing from people and any thoughts about harming yourself or baby or just wanting to get away and escape everything. Mm. I don't think you need to have all of these things, but these are it's a bit of a checklist to go, actually, do I need help? And it's important to seek support and you can reach out to your GP um, as a first point of call or um, Beyond Blue have excellent resources. I think um, I love that we're actually having this chat because we want to be removing the stigma around um, and actually just raising awareness that this is something that a lot of women do struggle with um, and getting help and support is really important, but identifying it is the first step. 
speaking about it. Absolutely. Mm. So with that, I mean, what factors can influence postnatal depression then? Yeah, so there are a few different things that can contribute to postnatal depression. Some of them are biological changes that might be occurring in the brain. And we know that during pregnancy and postpartum, there are already brain changes that are happening. But generally, when we're looking at, at, at our mental health, we know that different chemical transmitters in our brain impact our mental health. They sort of work to relay different messages across our brain. And we know that a molecule called BDNF helps to regulate those chemical transmitters. And if we have lower levels of this BDNN, BDNF, we know that that's associated with an increased risk of depression. So then the question goes, well, can we do anything to modify that so that we're not having these really low levels of this particular chemical so that we don't have increased rates of depression? And so that's sort of that what kick-started, and this is going back not just five years ago, but even longer, 10, 15 years ago, the research into can food play a role in, in helping to modify some of these levels from a biochemistry perspective. I think as well, when we talk about postnatal depression, there's lots of um, social issues and um, adjustments to a new season of life. And so this is just one piece of the puzzle, but I think it's a really important piece of the puzzle when we're talking about how um, food might play a role in it. And I I just realised I've completely forgotten to acknowledge that we published your article titled Oh, no, that's okay. How can nutrition benefit postnatal depression? So when I was having a really good read of it again for second and third time yesterday, there was a question that popped up which I really found quite interesting, which is what is maternal nutrient depletion and what causes it? So I'd love you to talk to what that is because, I mean, you do cover that in the article, but I'm really, I'm, I'm all ease about this. Yeah, so this is something I am so passionate about as I typically work with pregnant and postpartum women um, and maternal nutrient depletion really describes what's happening in our body. We talked about how demanding that time is for our body when we're literally growing another human being and laying down all the nutrients and the foundations for that. During pregnancy, our body uh, will prioritize If we don't have enough calcium or iron, for example, it'll take it from our stores and give it to baby. And I love that our bodies do that. But what that often means is that if we have, are we having an an inadequate amount or we just have higher requirements for certain reasons, you know, you could be a vegetarian and and therefore you have high requirements for iron, your iron requirements are 80% higher than that can lead to deficiencies in things typically I see in things like iron, vitamin D, folate, omega-3 and B vitamins. And maternal nutrition depletion really describes the fact that growing a baby and then postpartum, whether you're breastfeeding or recovering from labor, all of that requires an increased demand and it can leave us feeling quite depleted. And then what, what I tend to see happens is People might have their second baby and they might have not necessarily corrected all those deficiencies. Up, yes, their nutritional. That's yep. right. And then they end up going into their next pregnancy a little bit lacking and then having to go through all of that again. And we know, um, bringing it back to um, 
bring it back to postnatal depression, we know that things like vitamin D, omega-3, your B vitamins have a really key role in your mental health. Mm. And so when we're, when we're seeing this maternal nutrient depletion happening and we're seeing increases in postnatal depression, for me, it's, yeah, that there's a link there and it really highlights the priority of getting on top of any deficiencies and not just deficiencies, but making sure that your your nutrition is optimized and enhanced so that you really thrive as a new mum. Gotcha. And I understand also that there was a landmark study in 2017, um, which had some um, what led to some really great discoveries uh, to how we can improve depressive symptoms. Can you tell us a little bit about those findings? I'd love to know about that. Yeah, so this was really one of the key studies that um, really exploded uh, helping us understand the link between mental health and food. So this wasn't done in people with postnatal depression. It was just done in people who had depression. Mm-hmm. But what they did was they they compared two different groups of people they had one group that received so dietary assistance um, and modified their diet and then they had another group and they, they gave them social support because the people who would, were receiving the dietary assistance would have also had that social support ongoing by just having to have regular check-ins for their diet and to make sure it was sort of on on track with the way the study was designed. And so they got these two groups of people who who had depression and they found that in as little as 12 weeks, the way that we eat can improve depressive symptoms. People who were in the, um, the diet modification group who had to change their eating they some people went into remission with their symptoms or had improvement in their symptoms which we've never which had never been shown before we had these associations when we took two groups but we'd never taken people and actively changed what they were eating and seen if we could get an effect and so now you're probably wondering well okay well, like what sort of foods did did they use and so people in this study ate predominantly a modified mediterranean based diet which isn't a strict diet as such it's more the mediterranean diet incorporates large amounts of whole grain foods vegetables fruits legumes so you think like your chickpeas lentils kidney beans nuts fish uh, at least two, two to three times a week with small amounts of lean red meats, chicken, low-fat dairy, eggs, and extra virgin olive oil in particular. Oh. And, and so that was really great because they found that it wasn't just one food that improved people's symptoms. It was the pattern of food that they were eating that really helped to improve their mood. So the million-dollar question, Lana, here we go, do, do, do. Really, mm-hmm. what is the role then of nutrition in managing our mood, depression, and then potential postnatal depression? Obviously, from what you're just what I'm, what you're saying and what I'm hearing is the fact that it actually it plays a really big role. Is there a link? Mm-hmm. And I'm all ears. <laughs> yes. So food plays a really big role in managing um, our mood. So whether you have uh, depression, postnatal depression. 
um, or just low mood in general, we, we know this research shows us that there is a really clear link between it. Now, like I said earlier, nutrition is one piece of the puzzle and I wouldn't want anyone walking away from this thinking, well, well, I'm not going to go seek help or take my medication or engage exactly. in therapies. That's one piece um, of the puzzle. Yeah. I think actually this is a lovely addition to those things. And a compliment. Yeah. That's right. And actually understanding the way our brains work yep. and actually honoring our bodies, how much it's been, it's been through. And to, so to answer your question, what role does food have in our mental health? It has a really big role. We know that deficiencies can increase our risk for depression. So if we can fix those that can help to improve our mental health and help our brain and those those neurotransmitters to be working a little bit better mm. physiologically um, our stomach and our brain are connected um mm. I, I learned that many years ago when i was in china and we were in beijing and in a um, it's, it's the the leading place in beijing for uh, for chinese medicine and there's a big chart on the wall and it showed with your with our bodies, what what two different either organs or parts of the body are linked, and that was a really big thing for me. Actually, seeing naturally, if we are upset or what have you, you know, um, we 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 don't necessarily have appetite to eat and those types of things. Mm. So this is sort of further, you know, strengthening from my understanding just that connection between our stomach and our yeah, mind. Um- and we, we call that the gut-brain axis. So our brain and our gut are so interlinked. And that's why you'll see people with, with IBS, often sometimes it can like stress and anxiety can increase their symptoms. And so yeah. sometimes it's working on a food or a, or a stress perspective to help to manage those symptoms. But I think the real key part of this is all those foods that I listed before, they are great for our gut health. Whole grains, vegetables, fruits, legumes, nuts, they are really high in fiber and that's what feeds our gut bacteria to help it to thrive. And so there is, you're right, there is this really big link between um, our mental health and our gut health as well. So in the article, you you list a few different um, food groups and foods, but what would be your top three that you would recommend then? Yeah, so I think especially if you're feeling like you have low mood, I think it's helpful to keep it really simple because eating the perfect diets, so to speak, um, may feel just a bit too overwhelming. And so the top three foods I would say is salmon. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be salmon, but particularly salmon is one of the highest uh, omega-3 fish that's also really low in mercury because that's important for us to watch out during pregnancy and even postpartum if you're breastfeeding. And so um, having fish, oily fish two to three times a week, and that could be your salmon, tuna, sardine, mackerel, or herring, um, that's a really good one to be including in your diet. The second one is nuts. So, or or walnuts in particular. Um, So a a small handful could be, you know, 10 or 15 walnuts, um, but a really small handful is all you need every day. And that's a perfect one-handed breastfeeding snack or a snack on the go if you're sort of, um, you know, um, rushing out the door, you can have that ready in your bag. Um, And the third one is... And I'm going to lump this all together. This is me cheating a little bit, but 
um, colorful fruits and vegetables. So if you can think about anytime you sort of sit down to a meal, is there some color in it? Because that provides a, a range of different antioxidants, which is really helpful for your brain health as well. Awesome. And you list some other ones in the article, which of course we'll have a link to in the show notes. That's right. But on the flip side of this, I mean, are there any foods that we should pay attention to for postnatal depression? I just, yeah, which is probably a good thing for us to, to think about also. Yeah. So I would include salmon as something for postnatal depression because, because of that omega-3 waste. There's research that shows up to six months postpartum, women are still depleted in their omega-3 status. And so actually that could be both for planning, like if you're planning another baby in the future, but also for just um, getting on top of that now for your mental health, we don't want you to be in any sort of deficiency or depletion. And we know actually, um, I see it in my clinic all the time is my clients will often say, oh, you know, I might eat fish every now and then, or it might be once a week or once every few weeks. And so really making that a non-negotiable um, of two to three times a week, it can be canned, it can be, um, you know, the, those frozen ones, whatever's easiest for you um, to get to make sure you're, you're having that two to three times a week. Um, okay. That's one, one in particular. And I would say whole grains as well. Um, whole grains provide us with a range of B vitamins, particularly like folate and uh, riboflavin that have been shown to be really good for our mental health as well. Um, but particularly for postpartum, we know that, that we have an increased requirement uh, when we're, if we're breastfeeding or even for, post, for post-birth recovery, they're, they're higher in demand for our body. And so it means that our body's going to try and use those. And so we don't want it when we're, this is all coming back to maternal nutrient depletion. And so I find a lot of people are wanting to, you know, maybe they're trying to bounce back to their, to what their old body was like. And the first thing that tends to get cut is carbohydrates, which um, typically those grainy foods, um, it could be whole, it could be whole grain bread oats could be wholemeal pasta, um, rice, all those sorts of foods tend to get cut or reduced in portion. And anytime you're cutting out a whole food group, you're at risk of maternal nutrient depletion. Yes. Now, You've mentioned a couple of times, of, of course, when you're sort of having, um, you know, two or three children, if a mum has had postnatal depression, say with her first, as an example, mm. is there anything that she can do to ch- try and re- reduce it for her second? Yeah. So what, and like I said, from a nutrition perspective, what we would do is be trying to get on top of optimizing your nutrition early on so we know that the first 1000 days of life is really important for setting up your baby's um we call it epigenetics Mm -hmm. a little bit like um you might have the i like to think of it like a butterfly you know we have the caterpillar um and that has the same dna that then can turn into a butterfly. And so it's epigenetics describes a little bit like an on-off switch. We have the genetics there, but whether they're, they're switched on or off, 
we know nutrition plays a really big role in that. And so the first 1,000 days for baby's health is from three months before you fall pregnant, during your nine months of pregnancy, and then up until baby's two years old. Now, the reason I bring that up, that's sort of baby's health, but our that means our body is requiring those nutrients to be ready to be used during that period of time. And so if, if a mum is planning a second pregnancy or, or a subsequent uh, pregnancy, actually it's even thinking about it before you start trying to optimise your nutrition to make sure that you're having adequate omega-3 levels um, that you're having adequate whole grains so that you're meeting your B vitamin requirements. Iron and iodine, we know, play a really big role in brain health for both mum and bub. And so actually it's about making sure that if you're someone who you've had postnatal depression and um, are wanting to make sure, like, how can is there anything that I could do? It's worthwhile um, checking and having a think for yourself. And I actually have a um, free checklist on my website. Um, it's awesome. A new we'll have a link new- through to that. Yeah, it's a new mum's nutrition checklist to actually go through, am I having enough of this? Am I having enough of this? And so, that can be a bit of a guide for you to go, okay, well, do I need some extra help or am I am I going okay with how I'm eating? And it might be about getting individualized advice for you to make sure that you can do everything you can to boost your nutrition to be in the best place for pregnancy and postpartum. Um, because I know, I know, um, I'm expecting my second baby in a few weeks time. And, of course, of course. Congratulations. And yeah, thank you. And so I know going into, um, a second pregnancy thinking about, well, what happened in the first pregnancy and is there anything I can do to reduce my risk or to even just to improve my, yeah. um, to improve how things are going either during pregnancy or for postpartum. And I think that's really useful information. You don't really have that the first time round, but actually if you do have that the second time round, it's really helpful to make sure you get some tailored advice for that. Perfect. And I'd love to know also, how did you become a dietitian with a special interest in pregnancy and postnatal health? Mm, That's a, a good question. And um, it was actually, you know, I used to be a dietitian who would sort of see everyone. I worked in lots of different private clinics and I worked in nursing homes and hospitals. And it wasn't actually until I went on maternity leave. Um, I had previously been seeing lots of women who'd come into my private clinic who would say they wanted to get healthier because they're about to start a family um, or that they they were pregnant or they had their second pregnancy and they wanted to try and get on top of it, on top of whatever condition before their their next pregnancy. But it was when I was on maternity leave, I remember sitting in my breastfeeding chair in my lounge room and my little baby boy was in like his stripy onesie. He'd just gone off to sleep and it was, you know what, if you're a mum, you know, it's one of those end of the long days where you're just... you haven't even had a chance to actually sit, to sit down and eat. You're just sort of rushing through the day. And it was the first time I'd actually stopped and reflected on my day. And I just remember looking down at 
my new fresh little, you know, five-day-old baby and thinking, I want to make the most of all these important moments um, and make the most of every every moment I have with my little boy. And I want to spend time on things that are important. And so I think it was in that moment I decided that I wanted to prioritize my time. And as a dietitian, I know I've, you know, studied at uni for a very long time and been working with people. And so I know um, some of the meal planning side of things come a bit easier to me, but I was thinking about all the mums out there. And when you're sleep deprived and tired, it just makes everything harder from cooking, organizing, (laughs) planning, and even then knowing what we know about the research about um, maternal nutrient depletion, I just thought, oh, there are, there are mums out there who are, who are spending hours and hours out there and they're confused. Like it can be so confusing to know what to eat, what's actually going to help, what's worth putting your time and effort into. And I thought I, I can give people back, you know, even half an hour a day um, and give them more energy and help them with that. And if you think about half an hour a day and you add it up over a week that's you know that's a few few hours a week definitely um, is well, and, well well done yeah. on your life's work and, and what you're doing and 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 being a busy working mum soon to be of two um mm. is, I think it's just incredible what you're doing so congratulations and oh, and just your you. dedication I guess to to helping people um in this uh in this area especially with regards to postnatal depression because of course mm. while we know depression and anxiety can occur at any stage in life we know it's so much more likely um for women to express uh experience depression during pregnancy um and any time I guess in that year sort of following childbirth as we know um so Mm, well done on all of your work um in this space um and as we were just discussing at the very start of uh the chat you know women often find that pregnancy and motherhood is some sometimes not as they expected you know Mm. and we know that there's strong positive image portrayed in the media um presenting pregnancy as glowing and blissful and happy and exciting and it certainly can be all of those things as we know for, for lots of people but more often for many women it's not so it's incredibly challenging messy and in some instances less than perfect time so where you can give them half an hour back where you can give them some more energy and they can be feeling at their best this information is so important um and as we were just saying the other thing is too is just the fact that what's more common many women especially during pregnancy struggle with low self-confidence anxiety Mm. and just depression um and you know self-confidence can suffer an enormous amount um just through all the changes that a woman's body goes through um and i guess all the things that we have to be able to focus on once the little one arrives um so what i just wanted to just um ask as as, as a closing question to you um which is something you mentioned just a little bit earlier but if new mums and mums to be want individually tailored support and advice depending on their situation because everyone's obviously completely different obviously Mm. um should they see an expert like yourself an expert postnatal dietitian just to help them elevate their nutrition during this really important time what are your thoughts yeah um i mean i am obviously such a huge fan of people getting individually tailored advice because i think you you can find something random on the internet, but um, it might not be what's right for you, not even nutritionally, um, 
that's one aspect, but even practically what's right for you and your family and your taste buds and your budget and all those sorts of things and where you're at in your family uh, planning stages and your your medical health history. There's so much to consider, which is I love the beauty. And I think that's the thing I love about my job is that Actually, it makes me work really hard because no one client is the same. I never recommend the same meal plan for every client or even recommend meal plans for every client. It's all about what is works best for them. And that's why I love, um, I run a virtual clinic because it means that I get to see people all across Australia um, and even the world to be able to help them optimize their nutrition um, through this really challenging season of life and make that as easy as possible for them. So um, if you if you um, are able to and you think, I, I need some extra help in this area, getting that individualised advice as opposed to searching on Google and just being overwhelmed and inundated with all the conflicting advice, um, it's helpful to know what's right for you and your situation. Perfect. So... Um- well, we'll obviously have some links to, to yourself as an option for that. Um, and mm-hmm. should women be considering that as early as before they even start trying for a baby? Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you're already pregnant or postpartum, it's never too late. I always say uh, we can still be doing things to optimize your nutrition. But if you're someone who's thinking about um, baby number two or starting a family, um, eight, like three to six months ahead, in advance is not too early, even earlier than that. If you're already thinking about it, that's the right time. Well, this has been an incredibly insightful chat today. If you were to summarize your key messages for everyone watching and listening, what would they be? Yeah, I would say that watch out for maternal nutrient depletion. Know that food does play a really big role in your mental health and we want to keep it simple. And so just focus on those foods I mentioned earlier um, and do reach out for individual advice if you're feeling like this is an area that you need help with. Lana, thank you so much for your time today. And from what I heard, it's best to include plenty of whole grains, a balanced Mediterranean diet of vegetables, fruits, um, nuts, fish, um, obviously lean meats, um, some reduced fat dairy, I think you said, and also Mm -hmm. some um, extra virgin olive oil. But we'll have all of that stuff um, and those, those links to you as well in the article in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today and all the very best for the arrival of your, your second one and all of that stuff. But we'll, we'll chat to you again in the future, no doubt. But thank you so much for your time. Take care. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.